The content in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to diagnose any medical condition, replace the advice of a healthcare professional, or provide any medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Welcome to the Warrior Wellness Podcast, a podcast for military members, veterans, and first responders focusing on fitness, health, nutrition, and biohacking. Our mission with this podcast is to introduce America's heroes to lifestyle habits and hacks that will help them live healthier, happier lives, and in turn, be fit enough to continue their support of their communities and country. Welcome to another episode of the Warrior Wellness Podcast. I'm your host and former Army Captain Stephanie Lincoln and founder of Fireteam Whiskey. Today, our conversation is with Rebecca High. She is a 23-year Navy spouse, the 2019 AFI Mill Spouse of the Year, Rhoda Spain, award winner, and the co-founder of Mill Spouseology. Rebecca dealt with mental illness for a long time, and she hid her mental health struggles from the world. She was ashamed for mental illness and was afraid that it would affect her husband's career. So this is very common. Inspired by her silent struggles, she co-founded Mill Spouseology, which is focused on helping military spouses navigate the diverse terrain we call the military lifestyle. They have specialists from different areas on a volunteer staff to include education, career, EFMP, and mental health, to name a few, to provide expertise and resources to those who reach out to Mill Spouseology. Their aim is to shed light on military spouse and family members' mental health issues and to provide a conduit for support for this community. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Rebecca Hyde. Well, thank you, Rebecca, for joining us for the Warrior Wellness Podcast. So happy to have you on. And I know that this is, um, you know, kind of a, a, a tough topic for a lot of people to to listen to, you know, um, but it is extremely, extremely important and extremely prevalent, you know, especially we hear about mental health, military mental health issues and the, the suicide rate and it's continuing continuing to go up, but we're going to shed some light on um, something that most people don't think about is military spouse and military family mental health. So um, you are an expert on that and we'll um, dive into that in a minute. So, um, you know, why do you think that there's so much kind of focus on military and veteran mental health, but I mean, you almost never hear about military spouse and military family mental health issues. Why do you think it's so hidden from plain sight? I honestly think the reason that you really don't see a lot about military spouses is because we're kind of groomed from the beginning of our our life as a spouse to kind of keep things to ourselves. You know, we there's there's a almost a, a stereotype surrounding military spouses that we have to be superwoman and we have to really hold the weight of the world on our shoulders and and if we ask people for help, it's it you know it makes us look weak or makes people feel like we can't handle things on the home front. Um, we certainly don't, don't want things to affect our active duty members mission. And a lot of times we feel like, you know, if, if they're worried about our mental health back home, are they really able to focus on what's at hand? So a lot of it is just, we just keep it hidden. So there's really, really not a lot of focus on it. And I think it's because it's, it's like I said, just hidden. People don't know what's out there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, funny how you, um, you know, as you were talking, I kind of had a flashback of a couple of, of cases that I had. I worked in military mental health for 10 years. And I can definitely tell you as a clinician, 
you know, we, we were really, really busy ramping up and getting units and getting all the, the military members screened for mental health issues, dealing with all that, you know, before the deployment. But the, the biggest, busiest part for us was actually after everybody, all the, you know, all the people deployed, all the military members deployed. And then we got the inundation of the family members and the spouses. So, um, I, I never would have even, and I was in the military for 10 years. <laughs> I wasn't married when I was in the military, but um, I never thought about that aspect of the job. You know, when I got offered the job, I was like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm going to be helping military members with their mental health issues. And I totally didn't mm-hmm. realize that there was 50% of that piece was, you know, the, the families of the military members. So even me as a clinician, I wasn't even aware of it until it happened, <laughs> you know, so I see how it could just be, you know, kind of, um, you know, put in the, the dark corners, you know, because it, you're right, because the focus really is on the military mission. And we don't, you know, that the implications are you don't want any distractions from that, right? Yes. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. And and some spouses may fear that it will affect their active duty members career, you know, that it may affect them going up the ladder and being able to move up in their career and be successful. Um, I know that that is absolutely a fear for some spouses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So you have, you yourself have a a powerful story about, you know, your own mental health struggles as a military spouse. Can you share a little bit of that with us? Sure. Um, So I was diagnosed early on, shortly after we joined, I I say we, shortly after my husband joined the military, um, I was diagnosed with depression. Um, It was right after his first deployment that it it really kind of showed its head. Um, I dealt with it. I was not put on medication and thousand. In 2009, we moved to Hawaii, and that's kind of when everything started really compounding. I didn't really know how to cope with things. My mom passed away while we were in Hawaii, and it was sudden. Um, I didn't get to come home for the funeral because I was 37 weeks pregnant. So I had to stay in Hawaii and dealt with it. One thing after another in Hawaii, you know, it just seemed like it was back-to-back something. Something was going on, um, whether it be deaths in the family. There was a couple of incidents actually in Hawaii. Um, so it was, just, it was just a lot of bad things that happened while we were in Hawaii. And I never dealt with any of them. I went to a service on base and having um therapy and things like that but for the most part it was one pill after another after another and before i knew it i was on eight different medications um i kind of kept everything from my husband and from my friends i was the command ombudsman so i really couldn't let anybody feel like in my mind they can't view me as weak you know i have to keep everything together and be the strong one for the family members while the ship's deployed um I just, I never dealt with anything. So fast forward to 2014, we moved back to to the mainland. We moved back to Tennessee, close to my home, and I had a mental break. Um, 2014, middle of 2015 is when it really, 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 um, it came to a head. I had a mental break. Um, I went to the doctor. I told him, look, you know what? I think I'm losing my mind. I think I am, I am psychotic. I, I, 
may even need to be hospitalized because I was I was just all over the map. I was doing things that I would never do. I was thinking about doing things I would never do. I'm terrified of heights. If you would have said, hey, Becca, let's go jump out of a plane, I would have said, okay, how soon? Let's go right now. Just crazy things that I would never do. So after going to the doctor, we talked. He monitored my moods for a couple of weeks. We talked weekly, and then finally he told me that I was a classic bipolar case that I had bipolar disorder and he felt like I had been misdiagnosed for the past however many years. Um, when that happened, I was relieved for one because I'm not crazy. You know, I have a, I have a condition, but I was ashamed. I was embarrassed. I was mad. Um, but being ashamed was probably the, the strongest emotion I felt. Um, why couldn't I handle what life had thrown at me when so many other people had such, such more, you know, they had so much more trauma, so many more things going on and they seem to be handling it. Well, what's wrong with me that I'm going to need medication for the rest of my life that, you know, I now have this label that's attached to me for the rest of my life. Um, so it was very hard for me. It actually came to a point that I was having suicidal ideations I, oh, I'm sorry. My phone okay. was ringing. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it came to a point that I was having suicidal ideations. Um, I even had, had gotten to the point that I had a plan. Um, I did not feel like it was fair to my family, to my husband, to my children, to have to be with someone that had to be medicated potentially for the rest of their life or that would need psychotherapy or you know, they might wake up one day and never know what kind of mood I'm going to be in the next. Mm -hmm. That's actually not the case. Once you are um, treated for bipolar disorder, you, you know, as long as you're, you have to do self-care. You have to practice self-care. You have to know your triggers, things like that. And you have to really, really, really be conscious of the things going on around you and make sure you take care of yourself. So my family don't have, they don't have to worry about what kind of mood swings I'm going to have in the morning because I've been thankfully, very stable for the last two years. I have a wonderful doctor that works with me on medication. Um, again, a lot of self-care, and I have an amazingly supportive family and a wonderful husband, and that is just kind of what's gotten me through everything. Yeah, so, you know, you hit it for so long, and it got, you know, so bad, and this is one analogy that I used to use when I um, would give talks in front of hundreds and hundreds of military service members and their family members, as I would say, hey, just think about it as, you know, you have a car, right? Most of us have cars and we know that there's, there's occasional maintenance that we have to do, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's a pain in the butt. It costs money. It costs us time, but we know that we have to do these things, right? Because if we yes. don't, and if we just keep skipping it and skipping it, oh, I'll, I'll deal with it later, or I'll just, I'll just ignore it. No matter how much we ignore it or put it off, right? It's gonna get us at one point, and it's gonna be a big issue, right? We're yes. gonna be broken down on the side of the road with our engine on fire, right? Which is exactly what I was. I was exactly. broken down on the side of the road. That was, that was a perfect right. analogy for where I was. Right. So, you know, it's, it's sad and shameful. I mean, it's getting better. I mean, I've been in military mental health for over a decade now, and I can definitely say it's getting better. Um, you know, that if, if you would have just been, been 
able to go ahead and, and be a little bit more open and get some support from your family members, your husband, for, for pe the people around you, then maybe some of that maintenance would have been able to be done in, instead of having a mental break, right? Which could have been right. extremely uh, dangerous. Right. So just the people yeah. listening out there right now, I just want you to, you know, kind of take heart that this is, this stuff is important. And, and no matter how much we want to ignore it or want to put it off or want to hide it because you don't think it's, it's important or it's going to take the distraction away from your, your, you know, your spouse's um, mission, the military mission. It's so important to address it immediately and to, to seek support and, and to, you know, get the help that you need because you, it really could lead to something terrible happening in the future. And we certainly don't want that to happen. Yes, you're absolutely so, right. So let's talk about, um, you know, the, we talked a little bit about the stigma. Um, you mentioned it, you know, you were, you were afraid to, to come forward. You were afraid that it would affect your, your husband's um, career. Um, I know that now, and we'll talk about mole spouseology in a second, um, you are in contact with a lot of military spouses, military family members. Um, what are you seeing out there as far as the stigma and, and kind of being afraid to come forward? Is that still prevalent or is that getting better? I think it's still there. It's definitely, I, I see it a lot more than I would like to see it. Um, I have had spouses that I've talked to, you know, it seems like if you talk to them one-on-one -on -one and they get to hear your story and and they know that you've been able to get help and it didn't affect your spouse's career. It seems like they're they're more willing to go get help, but I feel like they still hide it. I feel like a large portion of military spouses keep it to themselves and they just deal with it until they can't deal with it anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and, and that's the struggle, I think, you know, for military spouses and military members is that the same you know even though you didn't wear the uniform you still served right you still were serving the military mission right so you're you're told to be strong you're expected you're a military spouse you this is a hard life exactly yeah so you have to be stronger exactly. than kind of the normal you know spouse because you're in such a specific uh, unique situation Yes, and I feel like kind of the outside looking in, just I have tons of friends, civilian, active duty, veterans, you know, spouses, and I feel like for the outside looking in, we live the American dream. You know, some people think, oh, you know, you you get to live on base, you don't have to pay for housing, you have free medical, and, and for those outsiders looking in, it looks so amazing, but military spouses have a completely different set of stressors than our counterparts. I mean, certainly we all have the same stress to a certain extent, you know, sick kids, PTA meetings, um, the cars broke, washing machines, you know, leaking. And of course, you know, that's going to happen the minute your service member deploys, everything's going to blow up in the house. Right. Um, but we have, we have a set of unique stressors that a lot of our counterparts do not have. And I think, I think that's another another thing that military spouses deal with is a lot of stereotypes. You know, people think that we're supposed to be superwoman and our life is just beautiful and perfect and how could we possibly be struggling with mental health issues? And I think I think that even compounds the issue even more. 
It does. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that because it, it's almost like there's, it's just a reflection of how we feel about the military. Right. I mean, we feel like if you're a military person, mm -hmm. if you're, if I see you in uniform and you're out there, I, I immediately stereotype you. Right. I'm like, you're strong, you're disciplined, you're, yeah. you know, you're together, you're not emotional, you, you know, you're mission oriented, you know, all those kinds of stereotypes, you know, we've, that, that are translated to the, mm -hmm. the military spouse, you know? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And, and I don't even, I, I don't even think a lot of people realize it. It just, it just kind of is. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, so as a result of your experiences, um, you co-founded the organization Mill Spouseology. Can you tell us about mm -hmm. this organization? So Mill Spouseology is basically the science of being a military spouse. Um, the life we live is very unique and we, it's unique in one way, but also it's, it's kind of uniform, so to speak. Um, we, we all know we're going to PCS. We all have questions about that. We all have questions about the next duty station, about TRICARE, about the EFM program. We all have kind of similar questions. So Mill Spouseology basically is a map that helps people with that terrain. Um, we have specialists on board that help with things such as um, vacationing on a budget, uh, mental health resources, different things like that. We try to make it fun. We have the serious, we have the nutritional aspect. We have someone on board that's a certified nutrition to give us nutrition tips and help with things like that. Then we have the fun stuff like the travel agent to teach us how to go on vacations and save money military style. Um, I even have someone on board that will help us use those curtains from last duty station and do something with it at this duty station. Um, but the big thing about Mill Spouseology is the support network there. Mental health is a very big passion of mine. So there's a lot of support in that, in that group. Lots of um, lift me ups and mental health checks. We do mental health Wednesday where we all just kind of do a buddy check. You know, we get on there and where's your head? Where's your body? Where's your soul? How are you doing? You know, check in. Let me let us know how you're doing. You know, bad, good, indifferent. Let us know. And it's kind of an accountability thing where we we watch out for one another. And we know if you're not on here, then maybe something's wrong. Let's reach out. And a lot of spouses have been able to connect with spouses from a duty station that they're going to, or maybe one that is with them in that same duty station, but they don't know. Maybe they're there with nobody, but through male spouseology and social media, they are able to connect with somebody so that they don't feel so alone. The great thing about male spouseology is it's not branch, rank, or duty station related. You can join it no matter what branch you're in, no matter what rank, as long as you have a DOD card, you are welcome to join our community. And I think that helps a lot because people, they don't, they don't necessarily want the command to be involved with what's going on. And, and that's usually not the case, but a lot of times they don't want that. They don't want anything about their personal lives to get back to the command. There's that, that separation now that we see more than ever. And this kind of takes that out of the mix. We don't have to worry about that with male spouseology. Yeah, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. Um, because, you know, if the, the family readiness groups or whatever equivalent that is in each branch, you know, you're, they're, they're, usually, yes. they're usually set up and established, but 
then again, of course, in any social group, you know, there's going to be gossiping. There's going to be, you know, the sharing of information. I have your click. Yes, you've got your clicks. Um, you know, you've got your higher ranking, you know, individuals, your lower ranking individuals. Your, you know, so there's a lot of kind yes. of social dynamics going on. And yeah, I get that. And I love that, you know, your group kind of provides an aside, you know, the same kind of social support and resources and check-ins that, you know, a family uh, readiness group would provide, but outside of that social circle. So it makes it a safe space. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, and it removes, and while we're all military spouses, it removes the, the military aspect from it completely. We can still be ourselves. We can still discuss things that are mill spouse related, but we're ourselves. And that's another thing we really push in the group is find yourself, you know, be your own person, absolutely support your active duty member, be their biggest cheerleader ever, but find yourself and find your own thing to do. Because I think that's another thing that's so important for your mental health is to find something, find your passion and ch channel your energy into that. And I think that's a very important aspect of mental health as well. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So if somebody who's listening right now, um, who is a military spouse and struggling maybe with their mental health symptoms and struggling, struggling silently, like you were, um, what would you, what would you like to kind of say to them right now? What would you like for them to hear? want them to hear that it is okay to not be okay. It's okay to have those bad days. It is okay to come forward and ask for help when you need it. Um, don't struggle alone. Don't, don't feel like you're alone and you don't have anybody with this because you have us. I mean, there are tons and tons of military spouses out there that are going through the same thing you're going through and they may need to hear your story. You know, someone, Someone may need to see you going through what you're going through to help them through their battle. So just reach out for help, whether it be medical, whether it be a social network, go see a psychologist, talk to a therapist. There are so many resources for us. We just have to reach out and grab them. Yeah. And yeah, and that's, and, and also what we kind of mentioned at the beginning is, you know, don't wait until it gets really bad. Don't wait till your car's on fire and you're on the side of the road, broke down. Don't, yeah. don't wait till you're at your breaking point, you know, kind of nip it in the bud in the very beginning and just don't feel like you're alone. Don't suffer alone. You're not a weak person. Doesn't make you weak. You're not your illness. You, it's something you deal with, but it's, it's not, it's not who you are. It doesn't define you and just, just reach out. Don't, don't become a statistic. Reach out. Yeah, great. So how, how would one uh, reach out to Mill Spouseology? How, how do people find you and, and join your group? Um, we're on LinkedIn. They can look for us, Mill Spouseology online. We're on Facebook. We have a Facebook group. All you got to do is, is come on there and join us. Um, and then we also have an Instagram page. Just look for Mill Spouseology, and we're kind of all over the place. So And, and we would love to have anyone... Anyone who wants to join us, we'd love to have them. Awesome. Well, thank you, Rebecca, for being on the Warrior Wellness Podcast. And I will, um, of course, include all of the links thank to you. your socials and um, on the show notes for the podcast. Hey, guys. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Warrior Wellness Podcast. Hey, make sure to follow us on whatever podcast platform you listen to. 
subscribe, follow, and most importantly, leave us a review. Take a screenshot of that review, send it to info at fireteamwhiskey.com, and we will send you a little thank you gift for taking the time to leave us a review. 